Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Skull Search Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Fornis, and I am bringing back my colleague, Devin Jackson, here. In uh, episode four, we talked about the Vikings' offensive needs come draft time, what they might be, how they might project. Devin is back here to talk defense now. Devin, how you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Um, excited to talk Minnesota's defense. You know, they went from probably one of the best units a couple of seasons ago, and now they're uh, re- really struggling this season with young guys in the secondary, um, you know, some hurt guys on, on a linebacker and defensive line. So uh, ready to dive in and, and, and see what are some of the areas of need. Absolutely. And all this Viking stock, Devin, are you a fan yet? Uh, I am not. Sorry. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> um, I won't tell the people who you're a fan of because I don't want them to hate you. Anyways, uh, we are going to talk defensive line to start off. And this unit is very interesting. It started off with the Vikings signing Michael Pierce to replace Linval Joseph, who was a big fan favorite here in Minnesota. But Limbaugh was just struggling, and he was just not able to keep up like he used to. So they had to make that decision. Daniel Hunter decided, hey, I, I got this neck thing, and they decided to really play it safe. He had surgery here a few weeks ago. Not going to play this year. Hopefully he's 100% next year. The aforementioned Michael Pierce opted out due to COVID-19. So the Vikings started off the season by trading for Yannick Ngakwe. And the Ngakwe trade was really uh, – really told the whole story on how the Vikings organization viewed what the season was. They viewed it as we can still win now rather than how the rest of the world viewed it. This is a retool year, but they could still be really good because they have a lot of offensive pieces and they have Mike Zimmer. And I think we've seen the course of the season and Gakwe flashed a little bit, but he was nowhere near the player they expected, which they expected him to be Daniil Hunter. And he just wasn't that. He's a good complimentary pass rusher who's going to get way overpaid in free agency because he sacks the quarterback. And they ended up moving him for a three and a five to Baltimore. And now they're just starting a hodgepodge group of guys. Fadi Adenabo, seventh round pick uh, from four years ago. Jalen Holmes, a fourth round pick from three years ago. Hercules Mata'afa, a 251 pound three technique tackle from Washington state. Who's a uh rookie free agent and this year's fourth round pick DJ Wanham who has really flashed but he is a major work in progress Devin when you watch this defensive line obviously this isn't going to be what the Vikings rock in 2020 that did you see anything that gives you some hope that these guys can be big contributors moving forward uh I'm, I really like Wanham uh I think he of all the guys you just named he probably is someone that will have the highest upside. But if you're looking at some of those other guys, a 251-pound three-tech, I'm sorry, it's just not going to get it done in the NFL. Uh, so they're going to do some major retooling this summer. Um, and, and it's going to start with the NFL draft. I think they need to really take a hard look into seeing if they can address that inside defensive line because I, I just haven't seen a, a bunch from them this season. You know, they at times they have been dominated like the Tennessee game. They were getting knocked back and uh, holes galore all over the place for Derrick Henry to run through. Um, so you you got to be able to to address that. And look, um, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, they've had some bad luck, you know, with, like you said, the nail hunter and then, uh, you know, had the guy opt out. So it, it hasn't been all 
roses for the Vikings defensive line. And they're going to really need to add some pieces, uh, whether via trade or uh, free agency. They're going to have to really add some guys that can be difference makers because right now, I don't think uh, those guys up front right now are difference makers. And uh, it, it's telling in some of the games, you know, you know, when they when they play some of the the, the elite competition, it is you know, kind of hurt them. So you, you want them to see, you want to see them retool and, and kind of find guys that will be difference makers. I'm with you. And I think one of the really tough parts about the Minnesota Vikings and how they kind of operate things. They have Andre Patterson as their defensive line coach, who is now the co-defensive coordinator. Andre Patterson is arguably the best defensive line coach in the national football league. He turned Everson Griffin into an all-pro player. He turned Daniel Hunter into an all-pro player. And Griffin was a fourth, and Hunter was a third-round pick. And he they consistently get guys who are drafted late in the draft to be rotational pieces. Stephen Weatherly just signed the Panthers, two years, $12 million. He was a seventh-round pick. Last year, he had like seven sacks for the Minnesota Vikings as a rotational guy. And they consistently churn out these pieces – to be competent NFL players who can play a good role and not let you down. And I think they put too much faith in Andre Patterson sometimes to um, make chicken salad out of chicken shit. And it's not necessarily an indoctrination on how bad the player is. I just think they're trying a little too hard to turn um, water into wine. And if you're the Minnesota Vikings, Devin, how much faith are you? Do you want to continuously put on this man to keep developing and harvesting these players, or do they need to buck the trend and really look at an edge or defensive tackle in round one to get that um, really good talent in there to really make that big difference? Yeah, I would look uh, to see if you can get someone really talented in round one. Um, there are now with this edge class, you have to be very cautious in who you decide to pick because you have a lot of different body types and a lot of different roles. Uh, there are guys that are strictly going to be pass rushers. They don't have great upside currently at defending the run. You know, someone like a Gregory Rousseau is someone that, you know, was, was highly regarded at the beginning of the summer, but now people don't highly regard him anymore. Obviously, he had a great season last year, had great statistics, but people have legit questions on whether or not he is a complete player. So, you know, you have names like Quiddy Pay, um, you know, uh, Aziz Ajalari from Georgia. So there are guys out there that could come in and immediately contribute. And really, you need most most of the great teams have somewhat of an elite pass rusher or have elite pass rushers. Look at the Steelers. They got Bud Dupree, TJ Watt. Uh, Rams, you got um, Aaron Donald, even though he's a defensive tackle. Um, you, you got a lot of teams that have that pass rusher on third down. I need you to get to the quarterback and sack him. I just need you to. And with the Neil Hunter out this season, they haven't had that guy. And you, you can't continuously try to get these uh, you know, late round guys, UDFA guys, guys that are expected to be rotational pieces uh, become starters and then, you know, make the impact plays you're looking for. you got to start building through the draft. And I think uh, round one might maybe a good opportunity, you know, if you if you don't want to go quarterback, 
maybe you go edge because ed, edge is, is something that, you know, every team looks for. You look for a legit guy coming off the edge to, uh, you know, c- cause havoc, get sacks and uh, get tackles for loss. So I would definitely invest in and look to potentially draft an edge in, in this class. Yeah. I'm kind of right there with you. I'm really intrigued to see kind of uh, what the edges are going to look like at the top of the class and to see how the Vikings will value them. Cause I don't think they value a guy like Caleb on Jason. I think they're going to value that guy who's like six, four who really can set the edge in the running game. And I think you're not going to find a whole lot of guys like Everson Griffin out there anymore. A lot of them are these quick twitch athletes who can really get the bend but they're not going to set a true edge in a 4-3. They're going to have somebody opposite them who are going to do that for you. The way Zimmer likes to run his defense, he wants both of his edge rushers to be able to set the edge in the running game. And I think that was something where the Yannick Ngakwe move just didn't make a lot of sense because that wasn't how he played football. So Neil Hunter, that's how he plays football. Same with Everson Griffin. And being that those were the two stalwarts for the last four or five years, that you can kind of extrapolate that to really figure, all right, who are the Vikings going to target in this in this draft and free agency to try and fill that role? And that is it going to be a Greg Rousseau? He kind of fits the body type, but that, the way he wins in the pass rush, I'm not 100% sure that it's going to translate to the athletic profile that Andre Patterson is going to want. Um, Quiddy Pay, is he going to be too small? Is is he that uh, edge setter? I you know I I don't think we can answer that question right now. So if you're Minnesota and you want that true four, three defensive end who can also rush the passer. Well, who are your targets? Yeah, you're, you're going to have to there, There's really no one at the top of the draft, at least that is a true guy that sets the edge. They all are these quick twitch athletes that their main objective is to get to the quarterback. So sometimes that means compromising, setting the edge because you're trying to get up the field the fastest or whatnot. So I, I don't know if any of these guys in particular are going to, um, you know, fit the profile that the Vikings need. So either the Vikings are going to, have to make a decision and say, okay, we're going to have to need, we're, we're going to have to take an edge here and, and figure out, you know, what we're going to do with them or you try and trade again. Um, but uh, trading hasn't worked at to, up to this point. So, now you're in a situation, maybe you look in free agency, but there's just no guarantee. I mean, I'm pretty sure a guy like Jadavian Clowney or, or some of the other people like that are going to have free agency once again, but I just don't know if they will fit as well. So either something is something's going to have to give with the Vikings coaching staff. Either they're going to have to get one of these guys that aren't necessarily grass on the edge and kind of develop them uh, like uh, Patterson has been doing, or they're just going to have to settle on what they have now. And I don't think they do the latter. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Zimmer likes is going to evolve his focus with the what's coming out of college. The NFL has really done a better job recently of adapting to the college game because college is becoming spread air raid. And you're seeing those players come into the NFL now and have success because that's what college is giving you. And with uh, college defense is being so focused on quick, quick twitch athletes at the edge, it'll be interesting to see if Zimmer's willing to adapt and have that guy, even though he's going to be sacrificing some of his run defense. So really excited to see how that plays out. 
And the linebacker core is something that is going to be interesting to watch as well because the Vikings have three really good ones. Eric Hendricks is a top three middle linebacker in the National Football League. He's fantastic in coverage. Anthony Barr is a very touchy subject in Minnesota because he doesn't fill up the stat sheet and he doesn't get a lot of sacks. He, he doesn't. It feels like he doesn't do a whole lot. But when you turn on the All-22, the things he asks him to do, it's – it's just nitty gritty stuff. It's stuff that doesn't show up unless you watch because he's clogging passing lanes. He is running with running backs. He's able to uh, cover some tight ends uh, from the slot. And he does all these little things. He's able to um, get in the double A glad blitz look and he's able to bail out and still play his position really well. And he's a phenomenal blitzer, but sometimes the flash at a position like linebacker, if you don't have it and, the team sees you getting burned, even though it's not your responsibility. Fans get a little frustrated with that. And then you have Eric Wilson, who was an undrafted player out of Cincinnati four years ago, who has stepped into Anthony Barr's role and done a fantastic job. So with Wilson's going to be transitioning out, he just drafted Troy Dye at Oregon, who, I, I, if I remember correctly, you were pretty high on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like them coming out. Yeah, so did I. He, he reminded me a lot of Anthony Barr, just how he played the game. That With this 4-3 defense and the lack of usage with Barr in some of those areas I mentioned, he's going to have a $14 million cap hit next year. Do you try to move on from Anthony Barr and maybe sign Eric Wilson for a discount? Or with Anthony Barr's um, value, do you keep him around and just kind of eat that cap space and – how do you handle this group? Well, if the Vikings want to want to do some retooling, they're going to have to figure out, uh, you know, what to do with Kirk Cousins and then uh, Anthony Barr. So to me, um, linebackers are expendable, unfortunately. You know, um, they're, they're a posi- one of those positions are near the bottom towards, you know, around the running back area as well, where you can find a linebacker in pretty much anywhere in the draft you know, that, that can fit particularly your need. Now with Anthony Barr, because he does so much for the defense that doesn't show up, then that's going to be tough because once you remove him from the equation, do you for sure have someone to guard running backs to, to clog passing lanes? Like you said, do you have that for certain? And you don't know that for certain. So to me, you got to move on from Anthony Barr, um, you know, out for injury right now. I think that, you know, the Vikings defense in general need to get younger. And and that kind of starts with the linebacking core back to the secondary. Um, But for linebacker, I I will move on from Barr um, and and sign uh, Wilson on a discount price. I think that that would probably be the best move right now, um, just depending on, you know, what he can bring to the table. And you got to invest that money elsewhere. You got to start – Unfortunately, they may have to take a, a dead cap hit on this one because I'm not sure how many teams are going to be interested uh, via trade with Anthony Barr. But but you definitely would like to te- see his value tested out on the market at the very least. Um, maybe try to grab, you know, fifth round pick, maybe sixth round. I don't know. I don't know how teams view Anthony Barr right now, but you got to get some sort of compensation from him. With Anthony Barr, do you think a team is going to view him as a uh, outside pass rusher in a 3-4? Because when he was coming out of UCLA, 
there were a lot of different ways that people were talking about using him. And it was shocking to a lot of people that the Vikings were drafting him to play a strong side linebacker role in a 4-3 when his probably best value was as that raw pass rusher on the outside because he had great bend and athleticism. Is The Jets were trying to sign him before uh, the 2019 season. They had him locked into a, a deal, but then he uh, reneged on it, and he came to Minnesota because uh, it just felt like home, and he took less money. It, does a team take that chance like the Jets wanted to and make him that pass rusher, even though he has spent the first seven years of his career not being a pass rusher? That's definitely a gamble, but I think that the NFL has shown they are willing to take those gambles. So I think a team may want him, you know, especially if they can get him, you know, on, I won't say a discount, but somewhat of a discount. Cause like you said, he did sign for less to come back to Minnesota. So based on where the jets were valuing him, you know, he's making less than that. So maybe the jets make, try to make a deal with that. Um, maybe a team that has a ton of draft capital tries to make a deal and, and bring him in and see if he can fill the role. Um, but it, it's, it remains to be seen. I think he has trade value, and I think that a team will be interested, but it's just about making the numbers work and, you know, is it worth it Worth it to him? And they may want to wait till he comes back off of injury and see how he looks. You know, that's always a big thing for, for teams. They want to see if he looks like the same player he was before the injury. Um, but I, I think, you know, if he comes back to the player like he was before the injury, I think that teams will want him. Yeah, I think you're right. And that I am a very big bar supporter, and I think what he does is invaluable. But it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, so it's very frustrating. And it's, it's really tough to quantify unless you're grinding film like we do. And it's it makes it difficult to explain it to somebody who doesn't necessarily see those little details. Uh, but moving on, we're going to talk corners. Corner is... A frustrating position for the Minnesota Vikings. They've spent a lot of resources at the cornerback position. A first-round pick in Xavier Rose in 2013. First-round pick in Trey Waynes in 2015. Second round in McKenzie Alexander in 2016. Those three guys were starters last year. They are all gone. This year, they invested a first-round pick in Jeff Gladney, third-round pick in Cameron Dantzler, and a fifth-round pick in Harrison Hand. Now, they also had from... 2018, they had Mike Hughes and Holton Hill, uh, who is an uh, undrafted free agent. Mike Hughes, obviously the first round pick. Chris Boyd is a 2019 seventh round pick who's gotten a lot of playing time. And overall, this group has just struggled. It's been really difficult to watch, but it's also corner. Jeff Akuda, a lot of people thought was a transcendent player at the cornerback position. He's been the worst corner in the National Football League. It's a very tough position to translate to instant success. So the fact that we've seen some flashes from these guys has been really promising, but Mike Zimmer's had to run a lot of cover two, shell cover two, to protect these guys with the great safeties. Uh, Devin, what kind of potential are you seeing out of these guys moving forward? And Do they need to maybe think about investing a first-round pick in a Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan the second to really solidify this group, even with all the assets they've already poured into the position? Um, I would say no. Um, I, I just can't 
justify continuing to take these early round corners. Uh, you have to give them time to develop. Uh, Cameron Dantzler and uh, Jeff Gladney are both rookies right now. Uh, you have a lot of young guys in that cornerback room. So to me, I think that you don't need to draft another guy and just add another young guy to a bunch of young guys um, because you, you have to have that veteran presence. So to me, I think what they should do is go out and get a veteran corner. That way he can kind of mentor those young guys and kind of teach them about the game and, and whatnot. And that way it's not just a, a young cornerback room. You know, obviously the two safeties are all pro guys, Anthony Harris, as well as um, Harrison Smith, but you can't continue to make a living off of drafting corners and drafting corners and drafting corners. At some point you're going to have to develop, need to develop them and you need to see what you have out of them. So continuing to go back to the well and drafting a first round corner, I don't think it really does much for that defense because he's going to have, you know, you take a Caleb Farley or you take a Patrick Sertain or one of those guys, or maybe a JC Horn, you're just basically going to have to develop them once again. And at some point, uh, Zimmer is going to have to take off the, you know, the, the cover two shell and, and play the true defense. So right now I would say no to drafting a corner in the first round. Uh, maybe you add a guy late round, but I, I don't think continuously putting more and more capital into the cornerback position will bode well for them going forward. See, the cornerback position is really interesting as far as investing capital in it. And I want your opinion on this, Devin, something we haven't talked about in our conversations. I think you should be investing resources in the cornerback position like you invest resources in the quarterback position, where even if you have your established guy, you should be taking a guy at least every two to three years, backups, and just start developing him. The Packers did it with great success in the mid-90s, able to flip guys like Matt Hasselbeck, Mark Brunel for significant draft capital. And the Patriots have been a recent example of this too. That they not only drafted Jimmy Garoppolo in round two, they got that second round pick back, which ended up being in the 40s. And they flipped uh, Jacoby Brissett, who was a fourth round pick, for Philip Dorsett, who played a key role for them uh, in playoff runs. Drafting quarterbacks is not about replacing a guy sometimes. Uh, a lot of times it's just about continuing to develop talent. And if your guy goes down, you got to have somebody to take over. Tom Brady was suspended the four games for Deflategate. Guess who stepped in and they went three and one? Brissett and Garoppolo. Guys, they drafted and developed so they made sure that they were taken care of. Do you believe that that's kind of the same at the cornerback position? Obviously, it doesn't always have to be first round picks, but picks of value, premium selections to make sure that the, one of the most important positions on the field has talent on it. I know you have to develop them but you still want to make sure you have good talent because there are some teams like, like the Chiefs, they have five guys who need to be covered by quality defensive backs. Like, kind of where's your position on that? Yeah, um, I think that's a good point. I think that you do need to consistently bring in new guys to the secondary because, you know, we're starting to go towards a league that has a nickel on the field a lot. You know, you have those nickel corners that now become a value 
because you have to match up with these potent offenses. So I would agree with that since, and I do think you, you probably need to bring in uh, corners every couple of years. Now, you know, doing it back to back years, like taking back to back first round picks, uh, of corners, I would kind of question that because just based on the Vikings roster currently, I mean, you spent the first and third on corners uh, just in, in 2019 or, or in 2020, excuse me. So I do agree with that, but at the same time, you just have to be smart about it. And like you said, positional value matters and you need to take these players of value and not just taking it for the sake of saying, okay, we took a corner, you know, cause we, needed it instead of, you know, look, we're, we have a plan for this guy, you know, we know what type of role he wants to, we want him to play. And, you know, if he has to assume a bigger role, we can trust him to do so. So I think if you have that type of mindset and you want to have a guy come in that will fit exactly what you need and whether it's a depth role or a, a borderline starter role or, or someone waiting in the wings. If, if you have those uh, key components, then I think that's a smart strategy. Uh, it's, it's an interesting one because the amount of resources the Vikings have thrown at the cornerback position with those first and second round picks uh, at this point, since 2013, talking about four first round picks, that's a lot. And you did get an all pro season out of Xavier Rhodes and he's playing incredibly well at the Indianapolis this year. And it was just as I thought it was. It seemed to be all mental with him because he didn't lose his physical gifts. And Hughes hasn't uh, panned out because of the neck. It's, it's been consistently nagging, plus the ACL is a rookie year. And Waynes never lived up to the hype as the 11th overall pick, but he was a really good starter for five years. So it's more about the, the cost-effectiveness of those first round picks, what could you've gotten instead? And that's something that Vikings fans kind of always hang their hat on with those positions. Something they don't hang their hat on though, is worrying about bad safety play. Uh, even though Andrews and Deho has looked like the worst player in the NFL for the Cleveland Browns this year, he was pretty good for the Minnesota Vikings opposite Harrison Smith for a number of years. He was never great, but he was always capable and he didn't stink. He was, he was just a guy who did his job and he just played average to above average football. Now they found a diamond in the rough with Anthony Harris on draft to free agent out of Virginia. The last two seasons, 2018 and 2019, he was overall the number one safety according to pro football focus. This year has not looked as good. He has not been the same player. Harrison Smith still looks like a top five safety in the NFL. His instincts are there. He hasn't lost a step athletically and he's still that riverboat gambler who's like, oh, I see this. I think this is happening, so I'm just going to go blitz because I can. He hasn't been able to do that nearly as much just due to the fact that they're playing a lot of that cover two shell. Harrison Smith's got one year left on his deal worth at $10.8 million, but there's no dead cap. Anthony Harris is a free agent, and the guys behind him are Harrison Hand and Josh Metellus. You're not talking about uh, the cream of the crop behind these guys. You're talking about replacement-level players. The Vikings are going to have to do something at safety. Luckily, safety has always been a, an affluent free agent crop the last couple of years, with guys like Kenny Vaccaro waiting till training camp to sign. Kenny Vaccaro shouldn't wait till training camp to sign. That's just kind of what the safety market is. There's just a lot of good players. Eric Reed doesn't have a job, and I think it's just because of the glut of safety players. Like There are good players out there to be had. Do the Vikings go that route, 
or do they maybe even try and shock some people and take a guy high as maybe a future replacement for Harrison Smith, who he can learn next to uh, over the next couple of seasons? Uh, I think that would be the perfect uh, scenario. I think the Vikings are probably not going to want to pay Anthony Harris how much he wants on based on the market. Um, and that's going to be a tough pill to swallow for fans. Um, I think, you know, if you take a guy maybe like a Andre Cisco that has great ball skills and someone that has played that deep safety role, him playing next to Harrison Smith, I think might be a, a, a nice match uh, because he, like you said, Harrison Smith is someone that will take chances and someone that will blitz uh, unannounced and, and do things like that. But you need someone in that back end to still uh, be able to, you know, help those corners out and, and Cisco has showed the range. So I think that will be a, a very interesting conversation to have. And then you sign back Harrison Smith on, you know, not exactly a cream of the crop deal, but a, a, a team friendly deal, I would say, because um, he, he's still one of the best safeties in the game. And we have so many good safeties. So I think that will be the route I might go down um, in. That's going to be tough to let Anthony Harris walk, but I just don't think they're going to be willing to pay him what he wants at, on the market, which is which is why I think they probably go after a safety at some point. Yeah, whether, whether in free agency or the draft. Yeah, especially with the uh, confirmed rumors last year, they franchise tagged him to flip him. They were trying to get a second-round pick back for Anthony Harris because I think there's a lot of things that they really wanted to do in this draft to help speed up that rebuild. But the best offer that they were able to get, it seemed like, was a three from Cleveland, and they were just they were like, okay, well, we can get a three in 2022 for nothing, and we get him for one more season. So let's do that. And it seems like they're not going to be able to get that three anymore for Anthony Harris due to his play. So it'll be really interesting to see what the Vikings do at the safety position and how they value guys. Are they going to value an Andre Sisko where they Zimmer doesn't value ball skills like a lot of other people. He values stops. A pass breakup is just as good to him as an interception. He just wants the play to gain no yards. Bend, not break mentality. Or is he going to value a guy like Hamza Nasserwaldin? And I butcher that name every time, and I know how to pronounce it. But Nasserwaldin is a very athletic specimen who can play in the box. He can play a joker role. He can play a true free safety. He kind of reminds me of a more athletic Cam Chancellor with body type and just the the versatility of things that he can do on the football field. Or are they going to value something completely different? Uh, are they going to value a Paris Ford who's a little bit smaller of a guy but incredibly intelligent and has a lot of range on the back end? I I really don't know what this team is going to do, but whatever they do, it's it's going to really spell the future for Harrison Smith and what they believe in him moving forward. Because let's be honest, he signed a five-year, $50 million contract five years ago. That's a pretty team-friendly deal right now because you've got safeties making $16, $18 million. Jamal Adams wants 20 Devin, if you're the Vikings and Harrison Smith comes to you and be like, I want a new contract for the next three, four years, how much are you willing to pay him? Man, that's tough. Right now he's just making $10 million a year. Um, 
you still consider him a top five safety. I probably wouldn't go over 13, 14 million uh, per year and, and probably maybe a two, three year deal and then bring in um, someone that, that may be his replacement. Um, because right now you have other needs that you need to address. And he's going to be, he has shown and proven that he's going to be consistent and he's going to be uh, someone that you can highly regard and count on down and down. But now it's going to be who's going to be the other safety and does he work well with them? So I think giving him a two or three year deal gives him that versatility and maybe have, uh, you know, on the third year have potentially a uh, opt out or, you know, you can, um, you know, trade or, or whatever, whatever you want to do with that. But you just never know when a player is going to hit the climb. So I feel like for what he brings to the table and how long he's been doing it, I think a two or three year deal, uh, probably 13, 14 million would, would probably be best. You don't want him making any anything north of 15 million, in my opinion. I think that's just way too much um, for what he does. And you factor in age and whatnot. Um, but if he's asking for 20 million, then you're in a really, really tough situation because you're already letting potentially Anthony Harris walk. Now, Harrison Smith wants big time money and you, you aren't, you aren't even willing to pay Anthony Harris that much. And now, uh, Harrison Smith, you know, comes to you and wants 20 million. So I think 13, 14 million may be, uh, the point I cut it off at. And I'm right there with you, Devin. Uh, when you look at this Vikings defense, we're going to kind of go just like we did in the last episode. Uh, what is your best case scenario for the, the first couple days in the NFL draft uh, picks uh, projected picks 13, 76 and 91. Uh, what areas do you really want to see addressed with this defense right away? And obviously they have a glut of uh, day three picks right now. It's projected at nine. Uh, if that Trey Wayne's pick ends up being a fourth comp- round compensatory pick, they're going to have four fourth round picks, which is just insane. Yeah, but, that's that's a lot of capital. A lot of capital. Rick Spielman um, loves to wheel and deal, and he loves dart throws. So, those first three picks, what's your ideal scenario? I think they have to they have to add an edge. Um, they had to have someone to play opposite Daniel Hunter. They haven't. They don't have that guy on their roster currently, in my opinion. So I think you have to go out and get an edge player. Um, and just based on. I mean, right now it would be edge. You got to address the corner safety situation uh, and then linebacker. I feel like linebacker, you have a little bit more leeway and a little bit more room because you're just playing well as a unit right now at linebacker. But you got to you got to address the edge situation first. uh, And that's who I would probably go after in the first round. Uh, Now, figure out who that will be. That's going to be tough uh, because it. Zimmer is going to have to either give in to his conventional thought process on what he wants edges to do, or, you know, they're just going to take someone that, you know, is solid. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, the defense is tough for me because I feel like you got to have someone opposite Daniel Hunter. That's just my thought process. Um, and, and the Vikings are at their best when they have two very good pass rushers, as we've seen over the last couple seasons. Um, and then, 
you address the cornerback situation in those third round picks um, and, and potentially safety. Uh, probably go safety first since that's probably the more pressing need at the moment, but maybe add in another corner, uh, someone that can can be a rotational guy or even go inside defensive lineman. Uh, I don't see anyone in the first in the first round at that particular spot, 13 inside defensive lineman wise. Um, but third round, you're going to have a bevy of options. Uh, Jay Tufele um, is an option. Um, you know, Marvin Wilson, maybe he drops round three right into the laps of the Minnesota Vikings. You get him as a round three player. Um, so I, those are kind of what my thought processes are with those picks. Um, definitely go edge first and then safety slash inside defensive lineman, uh, address the corner situation, and then uh, day three, you can you can add uh, maybe a linebacker or two, but those would be definitely the uh, way I view those things. You know, I, I'm kind of right there with you. I think the defensive line is going to be really key to helping the secondary group, especially as you watch Gladney and Dantzler continue to develop, and hopefully Hughes can come back healthy because he is a good player when he's healthy. And if you can get a pass rush or at least any semblance of one, it's going to help make a massive difference for those players. And getting a guy like uh, in the mock draft I, I did for this very podcast in the fourth round, I took a guy that you were very familiar with Devin in Shaka Tony, just incredibly athletic. I think he would be a great guy to do develop opposite Danny, Neil Hunter. And maybe DJ Wanham can continue to grow this off this season and through the off season to be that guy uh, opposite Daniel Hunter moving forward. But I'm with you. That defensive line needs continued upgrades. And I really hope they can fix that three technique. It's been a uh, black hole, so to speak, since Sharif Floyd had that botched knee surgery in 2016. Uh, last thing for you, Devin, rank the needs of this defensive group, that linebackers, defensive ends, n- defensive tackles, corners, and safeties, one through five. What do you got? Uh, defensive ends first, uh, for sure. Second, I probably go safety, uh, because you, you're going to have to replace one of those guys and, um, the guys you have behind them right now, I, I'm sorry. I I just don't think Josh Metellus can be that starter opposite of, uh, Harrison Smith. So safety will be second. Uh, third would be, uh, probably inside defensive line. Um, once again, you you want to help your corners out, uh, especially that since they're young, you need you need someone that can uh, come in. You don't have to necessarily be an Aaron Donald type or or someone that you know is, is an insane pass rusher or insane athlete, but someone that's in solid can make plays in the backfield and and push the pocket. Um, and then after that, I'll go corner uh, and then linebacker last. Devin, I think it, you and I have about the same thing. I'd flip uh, defensive tackle and safety because the safety opposite Harrison Smith, it, I don't think I've told you this, but Zimmer has continuously said that it is the least important position on his defense because he has so much faith in what Harrison Smith can do, which is one of the reasons why Anderson Deho played as long as he did in that spot. He was capable and he didn't make mistakes. Uh, Devin, I really appreciate you spending a lot of time with me. Where can the people find you and your excellent work? Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, RealD underscore Jackson. Uh, I got uh, quite a bit of work on bluechipscouting.com. 
Uh, also, uh, do some work with the Steelers, but obviously this is a Vikings podcast, so people don't care about that. Um, but yeah, you can, you can find my work on bluechipscouting.com. Um, and, uh, follow me on Twitter, real D underscore Jackson. Devin, I appreciate you taking the time as always that we will make sure that we talk soon. Once again, have fun watching, uh, prospects and enjoy the skull. Devin, that was fantastic, man.